This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal man. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, the man who escaped en route to San Francisco, unaware that Charles Schroeder, the man he seeks, is in the very town he has just left. We'll learn what happens in a moment. But right now, let's join our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, gang, I've been so excited about that second series of comic buttons Kellogg's Pep is putting out that I've been busy as anything all weekend. I rounded up all the fellows and girls in our neighborhood to see if they've found any of these second series buttons yet and how they like them. And believe me, they like them. Why, you should hear what the kids are saying about these swell new prizes. They're honey, says Pee-wee. And pal Rusty said, they're the best-looking things I ever saw. Yes, sir, everybody's mighty enthusiastic about this brand-new second series of 18 different buttons. And you'll be enthusiastic, too. They're made of white enameled metal, you know, with a picture of one of your favorite funny paper characters on each one, like Maggie and Jigs and Popeye and Superman himself. Believe me, you'll want to collect every single one of these new pop comic buttons. You can, too. Sure, easy as pie. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you have to do is to ask Mom to get plenty of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet, and look for your prize inside the package. That's P-E-P, Pet, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek and Omaha. Now, the adventures of Superman. When the transport plane in which Clark Kent and Lois Lane were following Carl Schroeder and his henchman Manfred was forced down in a storm, Kent left Lois in a Midwestern hotel to recover from the shock and proceeded home to San Francisco as Superman. At that time, neither he nor Lois were aware that Schroeder, wanted for the murder of Dr. Chi Wan and the theft of the precious dragon's teeth, had broken his westward journey at the same hotel in order to throw whoever might be following him off the track. As we continue today, Schroeder, who saw Kent leave and then discovered Lois's presence in the hotel, faces the girl reporter after having gained entrance to her room by posing as a friend of Clark Kent's. Listen. Now that you know I am Carl Schroeder, we are going to have an interesting discussion. Yes, very interesting indeed. May I sit down? Sit yourself. Thank you. What do you want? Nothing much. I simply want to know why you and Mr. Kent were en route to San Francisco. That's none of your business. I'm afraid I shall have to make it my business. You are following me, aren't you? And what if we were? You are following me because you think I murdered Dr. T. One. 
Well, didn't I? I am asking a question, Mr. Lane. You and Mr. Kent think I murdered she won and stole the J.P. Better than that, Schroeder. We don't think. We know. I assume you have evidence. Plenty. Enough to send you to the chair. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. That is precisely what I wanted to learn. All right. Now you know. So will you please get out of here? Miss Lane. Stand right where you are. Don't move. It might be dangerous. Manfred. Yes? Come in here. What is it, Carl? Come in and close the door. Manfred, this is Miss Lois Lane, a reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet. I am honored to make your acquaintance, Miss Lane. Sorry, I can't say the same. Miss Lane has just told me, Manfred, that she has enough evidence to send me to the chair for the murder of Dr. T. One. What do you think of that? It reminds me of an old Chinese proverb which says, He who bears witness walks in the shadow of death. You hear that, Miss Lane? Yes. Keeping I... Manfred's Chinese proverb in mind, I suggest you tell us just what evidence you have. No, I... I, I can't. What do you mean you can't? Well, I... Because I... I really haven't any evidence. I was lying. Why? Because, well, because you startled me. I, I wanted you to leave. I thought if I told you we had incriminating evidence against you, why you would leave. And now you are lying, Miss Lane. No, that's the truth. Then why were you and Mr. Kent following me? It must have been more than just suspicious. No, we... we you what? We, we, we weren't even following you. We were on our way to the coast to, to, to cover a story. A, a convention. Don't believe her, Schroeder. It's a lie. Of course it is. No, it's a ghost. Don't waste your breath, Miss Lane. Do not lie convincingly. Tell me the truth. I, I, I tell Shall you... Shall I try persuasive methods, Carl? No, we haven't time. We must get to the coast. What about her? We can't just leave her... Of course here. not. Miss Lane will come with us. Oh, no, I won't. I say you will. Now, here's my plan. You, Manfred, go out and find uh, for Miss Lane a heavy black widow's veil. Yes. Must have it to get her safely out of here. You understand? I understand. Good. Now, uh, I think I can walk out of here with you. You will do as I say, or... I'd rather not discuss the other alternative. You wouldn't lay a finger on me. Don't be so sure, Miss Lane. And, Manfred, while you're out getting the veil, send a wire to Mr. Clark Kent. But where? How do we know where he will be? Use your head, Manfred. Certain Kent does. I assume he suspects that since we are in possession of the ten jade teeth, we will book passage for China to find the rare herbs which hold the secret of everlasting life. Since there is now only one line operating between America and the Orient, the Eastern Star Line, that is where he will go. And that is where you are to address the telegram. You are very clever, Schroeder. Too clever. Thank you both. Why can't Manfred, in the name of Lois Lane, to return at once to Metropolis? Make it important. That, you see, will get him out of our way until we are safely en route to China. <laughs> Just nine o'clock. The next westbound train is scheduled to leave here at 9.35. That gives you little time, Manfred. So hurry. I will hurry. Trapped by the cunning foreign agent, Lois Lane realizes that she has no alternative but to accompany Schroeder and Manfred on a train to California, hoping that a lucky break will give her a chance to turn the tables before her captor can make good his escape to China with the precious jade teeth. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis, unaware of what has been going on, Harry White is in his office at the Daily Planet, trying frantically to learn the whereabouts of his two-star reporters. What is Harley can do? I have to do to get some information around here. Alton! Alton! Yes, Stop this thing and come in here! Of all the confounded, incompetent minkers in the world, I think I've well, got the biggest... Did you hear something about... No, no, I haven't heard a thing about anything. How can I, with a staff of idiots like I've got? Close that door before I go out of my mind completely. Oh, yes, Chief. I said, stop hitting me! Yeah, I'm okay, Chief. But about Miss Lane and Mr. Kent... Well, what about them? Have you found out where they are? No, but... I haven't found out anything! No! No, no, no! That's all the answer I get around here. Doesn't anybody on the whole staff know how to dig up information? Don't I have any real reporters? Yes. There you go again. Why haven't you checked the airline since we learned about their plane being forced down? Why doesn't someone fly? I just talked with the airline. Oh, you did? Well, 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 well. I said that when the plane was forced down, all the passengers were transferred to the Capitol Hotel in Briarville. Good. Did you call the hotel? Oh, I tried to, but I couldn't get through to them because... Why, 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 why? Because there's a terrific storm out there, that's why, and all the planes are down. But they are. Well, that's what the operator said, and she ought to know. Good country, that's terrible. 
That's awful. Why, we can't even find out if they're alive. Oh, they're not hurt. I know that. Oh, how do you know? Because the airline reported the plane made a miraculous landing. All passengers and crew are safe. Oh, thank heaven for that. And what have I been so worried for? Why doesn't somebody tell me things like that? Why am I cursed with an unsealed chapter? Hey, what's going to the fireworks about? Mr. Kidd. In person? No, no, it's... But I said he... What's the matter with you two? You look like you're seeing a ghost. Well, Where have you been? Where'd you come from? How'd you get here? When did whoa, you... Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Tom, down, Steve. I can explain. No, you, you can't, can you? Well, you can't. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Explain. All right. All right. If you just give me a chance. It's not like a dictionary on a pogo stick. Here's the story in a nutshell. Our ship ran into bad weather near Briarville. We were forced down and taken to the capital hotel. Oh, we know all yes, that. Yes, yes, go on, go on, go on. All right. I left Lois at the hotel in Briarville and continued on to San Francisco. But how could you? The storm... Oh, I, uh, I hired a private plane, you see. And then what happened? Well, nothing except when I got to the eastern star line where I expected to run into our friend Carl Schroeder, I found a telegram from Lois telling me to come back here. From Lois? That's right. Where is she? Well, that's what I'd like to know. What? You mean she isn't here? She didn't get back? No. And what's more, we haven't even heard from her. Now, wait a minute. Is this a joke? Well, what do you think? Sure isn't funny to me. Well, 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 where are you going, Ted? Where are you going? No time to explain now, Chief. i got a job to do. That's super. You all ring the porter, miss? Yes. Come in, please. What's the next stop, porter? Greenville, miss. We'll be pulling in there in about five minutes. Good. If I give you a telegram, could you send it to me from Greenville? Why, yes, I think so. It's terribly important. Here, now, if you read it. Terry White, Daily Planet, Metropolis. That's right. In trouble. Ford Pacific Flyer. Have police meet train in San Francisco. Lois. That's right. So, miss, something I can do to help I'm afraid you? not, but just please see that this wire gets off. Here's the dollar. Now, please don't fail me. I'll do my best. Desperate. Lois Lane clutches at a store in an effort to escape from Carl Schroeder, who holds her prisoner aboard the westbound flyer. Will her plan work? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Forced to accompany him on a train en route to San Francisco, Lois Lane makes an attempt to outwit Carl Schroeder by asking a porter to send a telegram for her to Perry White. But as the obliging porter leaves her Pullman compartment, he is approached by Schroeder. Porter? Yes, sir. If uh, the young lady in this compartment happens to say anything peculiar, uh, pay no attention to her, please. See, she's, uh, I see, sir. But she didn't say anything peculiar. Just asked me to send a telegram for her from Greenville. Today? Now, let me see the message, please. Oh, yeah, it's all right. I'm her doctor. Oh, here it is, sir. Hmm. <laughs> Don't talk about this, Porter. Just forget it. I'll take care of it. Yes, Thank you. Carl Schroeder crumples Lois Lane's message to Perry White and slips it into his pocket. While Lois, unaware of what has happened, keeps her fingers crossed. Can Superman take up the trail in time to help Lois and prevent Schroeder from leaving the country with ten precious bits of jade, the dragon's teeth? We'll know tomorrow, so don't miss the next thrilling episode in the mystery of the dragon's teeth. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Now just a short message of congratulations to the Campfire Girls organization. 34 years old this month. In their groups, Campfire Girls are learning to be good citizens, good friends, and good homemakers. Just keep up the good work. And fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. 
to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copywriter teacher, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, did You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. It'll leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today it would seem that Carl Schroeder is Hatchman Manfred, about what is Lois Lane, and the Man of Steel. We'll learn more about it in a moment, but right now, let's join our good friend, Dan McCullough. Say, I'm telling you, gang, these new second series comic buttons, the new prizes and packages of Kellogg's Pet, are just about the most fun that ever happened. In the first place, they're old, familiar favorites. You know, pals you've been following in the funny page for a long time, like Andy Gump and, and Popeye and the Little King and Superman, of course. And they're done up in full comic strip colors, painted clear and, and bright as anything on gleaming white enameled metal buttons, the kind you pin on your shirt or your dress or cap for everybody to see. Then there's the exciting fun of seeing which button will be inside every time Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pet. If it's a Jupiter, you know, like a pet comic button that you already have, well, that's even more fun because then you can shop around among your pals and see who has the duplicate to trade with you. Yes, sir, collecting pet comic buttons is a mighty thrilling hobby. And the best part is you don't have to send in a single penny for these exclusive prizes, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you have to do is to make sure mom keeps stocked, stocked up on that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Get your prizes, gang, from P-E-P, Pep. The Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. With Clark Kent lured back east by a false telegram and Lois Lane, an unwilling passenger on a wet-bound express, it looks as though Carl Schroeder and his henchman Manfred stand a good chance of escaping to China with the dragon's teeth, ten pieces of precious oriental jade that hold the secret of everlasting life. As our story continues today, Lois is alone in a drawing room on the train, having just given the porter a telegram to be sent to Perry White. But unknown to Lois, Schroeder had intercepted the porter and destroyed the telegram. Smiling now, Schroeder approaches the drawing room door. So, Miss Lois, you're trying to put one over on Carl Schroeder, huh? <laughs> Come in. Good evening, Miss Lane. What do you want? Oh, I 
I just step in for a moment to see how you're getting along. You don't have to worry about me. Oh, but I do worry. You're very clever. Get out of here. Get out or I'll ring for the porter. <laughs> that won't help you, Miss Lane. The porter understands everything now. What do you mean? I've explained to you that you're sick. That you're not responsible for the things you do or say. Why, you... Don't excite yourself, Miss Lane. Get out of here. Get out! <laughs> I shall remain with you until the train pulls out of the station you're coming into. You see, I don't trust you now. Not after the little trick with the telegram. Oh, you know. Yes, I have it here in my pocket. Don't try anything like that again or you may find yourself in trouble. Why are you taking me with you? What are you going to do with me? That we will decide when we reach our destination. You've got the jade, you've got the dragon teeth. What more do you want? We want to make sure we keep the jade until we are out of reach. Pull that window shade down, Miss Lane. No, I won't. I said pull down that window shade. No. Conductor, but anyone can see the poor girl is not her right mind speaking of dragon teeth. It's true. He stole the dragon teeth. He did. I guess you're right. Sorry I bothered you. No, don't leave me. Oh, Lois, you can't go out. Thank you, Conductor. <laughs> <laughs> you made a very valiant attempt, Miss Bird. And I will leave you now, but remember, you're being watched. now that she had been cut off from all contact with the outside world and is a virtual prisoner aboard the westbound train, Lois breaks down. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis, Clark Kent, suspicious of the false telegram which had brought him back, is about to go in search of Lois as planned, when a thought suddenly occurs to him. Wait a minute. Just because someone sent me a phony telegram signed Lois Lane and telling me to rush back to Metropolis doesn't necessarily mean that she's in any danger. Oh, I think it might be a good idea first to check the hotel in Briarville where I left her. Uh, look, miss, get me the Capitol Hotel in Briarville. I am very sorry, sir, but I'm not allowed to put through long-distance calls except... Yeah, I know, I know, just members of the staff. Well, what do you think I am? I don't know, sir. Who are you? Why, well, I'm Clark... Uh, <coughs> this is Clark Kent. Mr. Kent? That's right. Now, will you please put the call through? Oh, I'm very sorry, Mr. Kent. I didn't recognize your voice. You sound so alive. Yes, yeah, well... <laughs> a little laryngitis. It gets me every now and then. Oh, that's too bad. You should ought to try to take some vinegar. You know, that's very good if you... Yes, yes, yes. Some other time outside. Yes, right now I must get through to Briar without a hurry. It's very urgent. Hey, what's going on out there? Mr. White said it's very urgent, too. But did he put a call in? Ah, uh, he said to keep trying until I got in the plane. Well, what's holding you up? Well, she wasn't Mr. Kent's after all. I'm not a magician, you know. I'm oh, sorry. Well, what are the chances of getting through? Long distance hasn't for nine minutes. Okay, well, call me as soon as you get it, will you? Five minutes. Well, that can't make so very much difference. I think I'd better wait. Five minutes later, again in his guise and garb of Kent. Superman is back in Editor White's office when the telephone rings. Well, that may be your call now, Chief. Uh, you take it, Kent. I'm too upset about Lois being missing. Okay. Editor White's office. All right, put him on. It's the call, Chief. Good, good. Hello. Uh, yes, this is Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. That's right. Can you tell me whether Miss Lane is still registered at the hotel? Lane. L-A-N-E. That's right. I'll hold on. I hope she's there. All right. Yes. 
Yes? What? Oh, she did. When? I see. Whom was she with, you know? Well, just a minute. Will, will you repeat that, please? I see. All right. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Is she there? No, she left early tonight with two men. Two men? I would wait anything. One of them was Carl Shorter. Can't what does that mean? It means that somehow Shorter and his henchmen got to her. It means that they took her with them. Oh, what are we going to do? It all now. I suspected that telegram from Lois wasn't on the level, and now I'm sure. This is what happened. Schroeder wired me and Lois's name to get me back from San Francisco. What's the difference? What happened? Where's Lois? How can we reach her? The clerk said they must have taken the Pacific Flyer. No planes were running, and it was the only train out of Briarville tonight. No, I'll have that train stopped in every inch of its search. No, no. Operator. No, wait a minute. Wait. Don't do that. Schroeder's no fool. He'll manage to slip through. I've got a better idea. Uh, never mind, operator. What's the idea, Kent? Briarville is more than a thousand miles from Schroeder's destination, San Francisco. The fastest train can't make it another ten hours. Well, what's your idea? I'll hop a plane and get to San Francisco before the train arrives. Then I'll meet you at the station with the police. All transport planes are grounded, you know that. And anyway, I can hire a private plane. Nothing can get you there in time. I'll get there, believe me. No, 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 no. We can't take a chance. Now, wait There's a too much at stake. But we won't be taking any chance. Now, look here, Kent. You're a smart boy, but there are a few things that you cannot do. If you'll only... And one of them is whiz through the air like a bullet. Well, all right, maybe not. But the private plane I mentioned can make the trip in nine hours, maybe less. Are you sure? Positive. All right. All right, we'll chance it. Fine. But I'll go along with you. Oh. But you, you, you can't, Chief. Oh, why not? Well, it, it, it isn't safe. Well, I mean, it's not safe for me. It's not safe for you. I, I don't mean that it isn't safe. Well, I, what I mean, in heaven's name do, do you mean? Well, you see, it, it, it's only a two-passenger plane, Chief. That's the reason. There's just room for a pilot and one passenger, and since I can stand a trip like that better than you can. All right, all right, all right. Get going, get going. Uh, but but this rate, notify me the minute you contact Lois. Okay. So long. Racing into the Daily Planet locker room, Kent strips off his street clothes and reveals himself in the blue costume and brilliant red cloak of Superman. He waits for a moment to see that no one is observing him, then strides quickly to a window. I can catch that Pacific flyer long before it reaches San Francisco. This is one time, Schroeder, that you've bitten off a little more than you can chew. Up! Up! And away! Leaping high above the city of Metropolis, Superman heads west on the trail of the Pacific flyer. No, back to the adventures of Superman. In pursuit of the Pacific Flyer, in which he is now certain Lois Lane is being held a prisoner, Superman calls on every ounce of his great strength as he heads west. Meanwhile, aboard the streamlined train, Carl Schroeder and his henchman Manfred are conversing in the corridor outside Lois's drawing room. Manfred, uh, Yes, Carl? I've been thinking, Manfred, thinking about that telegram Miss Lane tried to send. So have I. It was a close call. Too close. Can't afford to fail now, Manfred. Once we have in our possession the same Chinese herbs mentioned by the dragon's teeth, we will own you and I. Medicine that will cure all disease. But in the meantime, what about the girl? I think it's best not to take any chances. That telegram sent the police would have been waiting for us when this train pulled into San Francisco. And it is possible that even without the telegram, her friends, that reporter Kent and others, have given orders to watch all trains. Then what do you suggest? The next stop is a place called Carson City. They arrive there in ten minutes. We'll get off with Miss Lane, hire or buy a car, and proceed the rest of the way by automobile. Mm. Sounds like a good idea, Carl. A very good idea. See that Miss Lane is ready to leave within ten minutes. Ten short minutes. Will Superman arrive before Lois is taken off the train at Carson City? Or once again is he going to lose Carl Schroeder's trail? There's excitement ahead, so be sure to listen tomorrow. Same time, same station. Tune in and follow The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. 
Fellas and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old catalog company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyright feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, as the man of steel wings onward through darkened skies in hopes of catching the Pacific fire, Carl Schroeder has plans that may again thwart his rescue of Lois Lane. We'll get the details in a moment, but right now, let's see what Dan McCullough has in store for us. You know, gang, the news spread like wildfire last week when I began telling you about the brand new series of comic buttons Kellogg's Pep is putting out. One fellow tells another, and one girl tells her girlfriend, until everybody's all hepped up about collecting these colorful new buttons. It's a mighty swell idea, putting pictures of your funny sheet favorites on enameled metal buttons so that you can wear them on your jacket or your dress or cap. And it's more fun than a three-ring circus swapping the buttons when you get duplicates. You see, in this new second series, there's Maggie and Jigs and Andy Gump, Hans and Fritz, Olive Oil, Popeye, the Little King and Lord Plushbottom, Uncle Willie and Andy from the Moon Mullins Funnies, and Rip Winkle and Pop Jenks and, and Superman, of course. Eighteen of your comic pals and all. Now, to be sure you get every one of them, start Mom off buying Kellogg's Pep for you tomorrow. That's the only way you can get these exclusive prizes, you know, in packages of that super delicious whole wheat flex cereal, Kellogg's Pep. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box top. And you can't buy them anywhere. Just look inside the pet package, and there's your colorful, exciting comic button. There's a prize in every package of P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. When we last saw Clark Kent, he had assumed the familiar costume of Superman. And Red Cloak, flying in the night wind, was speeding to the rescue of Lois Lane, an unwilling passenger on a streamlined express bound for San Francisco. Carl Schroeder, a dishonest dealer in art, and Manfred, his henchmen, are watching Lois constantly. But even as Superman spans the miles like some giant fleet-winged bird, the suspicion that all is not right creeps into Schroeder's mind. As the train roars into the night, he and Manfred talk softly outside the door of Lois's dressing room. Listen. <laughs> I think it's best not to take any chances, Manfred. That telegram Miss Lane tried to send had slipped through. The police would have been waiting for us in San Francisco with open arms the moment this train pulled in. And for all I know, that reporter kept me given the police orders to watch all trains. And what do you suggest? The next stop is a place called Carson City. We arrive there in ten minutes. We will get off with Miss Lane, hire or buy a car, and proceed the rest of the way by automobile. Hmm. Sounds like a good idea, Carl. A very good idea. See that our bags are packed and ready to go. I will take care of Miss Lane. Work quickly. There's no time to waste. Meanwhile, high above the dark countryside, a stalwart figure in red cape and blue costume leaps forward in curious flight, following the thin ribbons of steel that wind in and out of mountains, ravines, and over towering stretches. Faster and ever faster, mocking even the speed of sound. 
I hope this isn't a wild goose chase. No, I'm certain it isn't. Lord never sent that wire ordering me back east. It was a I should be sighting that thing soon. It's somewhere here in the mountains, this side of Carson City. Almost sure Lois is on it, and if she is, that means Schroeder is there, too. All I want with Schroeder is 60 seconds. Wait a minute, what was that? Sounded like a train whistle. Yes, it is. And I can see the train down below, about a mile beyond Carson City. I wonder whether that's the right train. I'll just drop down a little closer and take a look. Uh-huh. Pacific Flyer, all right. The only train they could be on. Now to get aboard is Clark Kent. Down! Down! You know, Manfred, I have a feeling we did a smart thing leaving that plane at Carson City. Very smart. It won't help you, Schroeder. Nothing will help you. Sooner or later, men like you and that, that ace seated beside you get what's coming to them. You must not lose control of your temper, Miss Lane. We have a long trip across the open plains, 300 miles. Conserve your energy. Don't you worry about my energy. Ah, but we do. You're very valuable to us at the moment. Did anyone ever tell you, Schroeder, that you're not... You're not a human being. You're a beast. Those are very unkind words, Lynn. Have I not treated you with the utmost courtesy? Oh, of course you have. Telling everyone I was crazy. That, unfortunately, was unavoidable. You will admit you were at all fair that it was clever, though. Not clever, Schroeder. Diabolical. You've got the mind of a devil. You're very complimentary. I do not deserve it. You deserve everything that's coming to you, and more, and you'll get it. Perhaps. I think you'd better close that rear window, Miss Lane. The dust is blowing in. You were warned about that. The man you bought the car from said there might be a dust storm. You're not worried, are you? Not the least bit. Good. I admire women who have courage. Ah, does seem to be blowing up. Keep your eyes open for road markers. We don't want to lose our way. This is your little party, Schroeder. Keep your own eyes open. Look, my name is Clark Kent, Porter. I'm a newspaper man with a Daily Planet, and all I'd like is some information about this young lady. She's a passenger aboard this... All right, sir, but we're not allowed to give out information about passengers. But the young lady I'm inquiring about is a personal friend of mine. It doesn't make any difference, sir. Well, the Pullman conductor said you could help me. He did? Yes. Well, then I guess it's all right. Oh, good. Now, maybe you can tell me what I want to know. Uh, was the young lady answering the description I gave you on board this train? Yes, sir. She was the sick lady in drawing room A. The what? The sick lady. Well, who told you she was sick? The gentleman traveling with her. He said I wasn't to pay no attention if she'd come out with something queer. This gentleman who was traveling with her, Porter, was he alone? No, sir. There was another gentleman with him. Where are they now? He got off at Carson City. With the young lady? Yes, sir. Got to go after them. We don't make any stops till we get to Pine Valley. That's a good two hours. Oh, yes, yes, I, I know. Well, uh, uh, thanks. Th thanks a lot, Porter. Go up. Uh, here. Oh, thank you, sir. Wait till we reach Pine Valley. Every second counts now. As it is, I may not be able to pick up the trail. Why didn't I overtake the train before it reached Carson City? Well, there's no sense crying over spilled milk. Got to get off the same way I got on. Through the observation platform. Yeah. Thing attempted. Yeah, is it safe? Nobody's watching me. Go for these clothes. There we are. You've slipped through this time, Schroeder. But it won't be for long. There. Now, back to Carson City as Superman. Up! Up! And away! Leaving the train from the deserted observation platform, Superman, red cloak streaming in the...
end, heads back to Carson City in the faint hope of again picking up Carl Schroeder's trail. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Fifteen miles from Carson City, heading west in a car, Carl Schroeder, Lois Lane, and Manfred Schroeder's henchmen have run into a blinding dust storm. The road has become almost impassable, and the wind is howling like a million banshees. Dust storm is getting pretty fast. How far back did we get off the road, Miss Lane? I don't know. I told you this was your little party. Go ahead and run it. Ah, I can't see with a dust blowing against the windshield. I had to go out and look around. What can I do, Carl? Nothing. Stay where you are. Nobody asked you. Nobody had to ask. Take my advice and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> the road is well, Mr. Smart Alec, what's the next move? Keep quiet, Miss Lane. I want no trouble with you. What do we do? Sit here and let the dust bury us alive? We keep going as long as we can across the plane. Just listen to that man back in Carson Street. Come on. Why do we put up with her cow? Can't we get rid of her? You wouldn't dare. Who can tell? Too big a load. What does that mean? It means we cannot continue carrying too big a load. Do as I suggested, Carl. No. I'm sorry, Miss Lane, but there's no other way. No. No, you can't leave me here in the storm. I'll suffocate. The dust... There's no choice. The car must be like... I'm not very heavy. It's not you alone. Manfred must be behind, too. Are you crazy, Carl? There's only one in the car. There may be a chance. That's not human. Please, please, don't leave us behind. I hope you get the Jake Keith, Carl. You'd never have him if not for me. I know, Manfred, but there's no help for it. That's what you... Don't pull your knife, Manfred. I have a gun. If one of us lives, it'll be me. Yeah. Oh! Oh, with my life or his. Carry out. Leave him here with you. He'll be all right shortly. Now, step from the car, Miss Lane. Oh, no, please. Step from the car. You, you beast. Goodbye, Miss Lane. And good luck. Wait, Schroeder. Schroeder, this is murder. Manfred, seriously hurt him. We'll never be able to survive this, please. It matters to me. I have the dragon's teeth and I'm going to get through with him. Nothing else matters. Schroeder, please wait. Please listen to me. I have no The Lois is pleased for his return. The murderous Schroeder drives off into the gathering darkness. As the panic-stricken girl reporter, her throat seared by the madly whirling dust particles, stands at the side of the unconscious Manfred, a lonely figure lost in a blinding windstorm. How can Superman pick up her trail and find her? A single small dot on the storm-swept prairie. We'll find out tomorrow, so be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for another thrilling episode in The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet... More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. By the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. 
able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman's strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, as the Man of Steel still searches for Lois Lane, the girl reporter is all but lost to view in the path of a blinding dust storm. We'll learn what happens in a moment. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his pal Rusty as they share the comic section of the news. Say, Dan, you see bringing up Father today? He's always getting it in the neck. <laughs> yeah, and did you know that Jibs' picture is on one of the new second series of Collie Gluttons? You know, the new prizes and packages of Kellogg's Pep? Hey, is that right? Sure, Maggie too, and, and Popeye, and the Little King, and Superman, of course. Eighteen of them at all. Boy, you know, I've been so doggone excited about this new second series. When I got my first second series button this morning... Mom said she thought I'd pop. Oh, boy, you're bound to get a kick out of these new comic buttons, Rusty. And you'll so find... Dan, that gives me an idea for a new game. Yeah? Look, every kid has to act like he's the same character as on the button he's wearing. Well, for, for instance, I'm wearing this Popeye button, see? Yeah. So I'm a sailor who eats spinach. Sure. And Cousin Doris could be olive oil when she's wearing that button. Or Annie White. Yeah! Wouldn't that be swell fun? I'm going to get the whole gang busy on these new second series comic buttons so we can get going. And you won't have a bit of trouble, Rusty, because all the fellows and girls are mighty excited about this brand new series. There's a doggone snappy looking. The pictures of favorite funny sheet characters done up in brilliant red and yellow and blue and black. Boy, they show up like anything when you wear them pinned on your jacket or dresser cap. And they're easy to get, too. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to ask Mom to get you a package or two of Kellogg's Pep. Then get your exciting prize from every package. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Learning that Lois Lane had fallen into the hands of Carl Schroeder, a fascist agent, who forced her to accompany him and Manfred, his henchman, on a San Francisco-bound train, Superman rocketed westward to rescue the girl reporter. But the wily Schroeder, anticipating pursuit, left the train at Carson City and, accompanied by Lois and Manfred, continued his trip by car. Temporarily stymied, Superman doubled back in an attempt to pick up their trail. Meanwhile, Schroeder, running into a deadly dust storm, ordered Lois and South, believing that thus made lighter, his car would take him through. When Manfred refused to leave, Schroeder struck him down and threw him out. As our story continues today, Schroeder, still in possession of the ten precious dragon's teeth, has just driven off, leaving Lois and the unconscious Manfred to the mercy of the furious dust storm. Listen. Schroeder! Come back! Come back! Don't leave us here! Get up, you boy. 
alive in this house. It'll find us. We've <laughs> got to get out of it. No use. Nothing can save us. And it's your fault. My fault? Yes, your fault. If not for you, Schroeder and I, we'd have gone on by my train. But I didn't tell him to hire a car. Your fault, I tell you. Your fault. You're wrong. If not for you, this wouldn't have happened to me. I'm talking like that. I'm going to make you pay for this. Yes, sir, that's right, sir. The gentleman with her, he said she was very sick, so we put her in a wheelchair. Wheelchair? Was she unconscious? Oh, no, sir, she wasn't unconscious. She started to kick up a bit, but the gentleman leaned over and said something in her ear, and that made her quite down. All part of Schroeder's act. Big pardon, sir? Oh, nothing, nothing. Uh, tell me, did, did you hear her say anything? No, sir, nothing but some bum mumbling that sounded like, well, sort of like she was gagged or something. Must have been gagged. But, of course, you couldn't see that through the heavy black veil she was wearing. That's right, sir. Tell me, Porter, did you hear the men say anything that might give us some clue or a hint as to where they were going? Well, let me see now. I did hear them say something, uh, something about, uh, About what? Something about a drive yourself. You know, sir, one of those places where you hire a car. Hire a car? Yes, sir, that's right. One gentleman, he told the other one to find a drive yourself place where they could hire a car. Oh, that's what they did. Of course, they hired a car and went on that way, figuring that would throw me off the trail. Ah, uh, are they running away from something, sir? You bet they are. They won't be running much longer. Thanks a lot, buddy. You were a great help. Here. Here's something for your trouble. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Oh, Schroeder thought he threw me off the track. Well, he's in for a shock and very soon. First, I've got to check the automobile route to San Francisco. I guess the policeman's my best bet. Officer, uh, could you tell me the best route out of Carson City for San Francisco? You driving? Uh, yes, yes. Well, I could give you the route, all right, but I wouldn't plan to go today if I were you. Why not? Because you got to drive across the ferry to pick up the main highway for the coast. There's uh-huh. an awful dust storm sweeping that ferry now. There is? Well, come on, Evan. You notice the wind here? Yes, but There's I... Nothing to what goes on out there one of them dust storms comes up. Really? Where's a man's life to get caught in it? That is all that? Yes, sir. Just get so thick you can't see a hand in front of your face. Yes, sir. God, and Lois is right in it. Is that uh, nothing, nothing, officer? Thanks, thanks very much. Don't mention it. Better hold up until tomorrow. Might be over by then. I guess I will. Yes, I will not with Lois out there. Into this alley. That's big time now. Uh, Superman. Off with his clothes. There's no telling what may have happened to them out there. 
I just hope I'm not too late. There we are. All set. Now, up, up, and away! Like a blue and crimson arrow shot from a powerful bow, Superman streaks up into the storm-clouded sky. Then, veering sharply, he rockets toward the dark, dust-swept prairie, his red cape screaming in the angry wind. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Fighting a blinding prairie dust storm with the wind howling at gale pitch, Superman wings across the darkened wasteland, determined to keep going at all costs until he finds Lois Lane. Unaware that Carl Schroeder has cold-bloodedly left her to perish in the choking horror of the storm. Mile by mile, the man of steel battles his way through the blinding holocaust. His great muscles strain to their utmost. His X-ray vision pierces thick dark screen of whirling dust that blocks out the earth from human sight. Searching, ever searching for the car in which he hopes to find Lois. Suddenly he spots something on the ground. Something black against the brown dust. Wait a minute. What's that down there? Looks like it might be a car. Could it be Schroeder's? It isn't moving. Of course not. It's turned over on its side. Down! Down! Great Scott, that car's burnt to a crisp. Must have run over this embankment and caught fire. No one in it. Could all three of them have gotten out of and thrown clear? I'd better take... Wait a minute. What's in this metal box? Still hot. Oh, the jade dragon's teeth. All ten of them fused together by the heat. That means Schroeder either jumped or was thrown out. Whatever happened, it can't be far from here. even hope to find either of them. Two tiny specks lost in this huge cloud of swirling dust. Away! Worried, and now completely aware of Lois Lane's great danger, Superman continues what appears to be a hopeless search for two tiny specks lost in a huge cloud of swirling dust. Tomorrow brings the smashing climax to this story of the Dragon's Peak and the beginning of the most baffling mystery ever to test the metal of the Man of Steel. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap out at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publication. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!
thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and ability far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today we begin a brand new adventure for the Man of Steel. An adventure that is jam-packed with suspense and mystery. We'll learn more about it in a moment. But right now, I see that Dan McCullough is waiting to talk to you. Go ahead, Dan. You know, gang, I never saw anything like the way you fellows and girls were going all out for that new second series of comic buttons, Kellogg's Pep is putting out. Why, all the kids in our block are planning how they're going to pin these buttons in the new second series on their jacket or dress or cap. And the kids in the schoolyard and over at the playground are plenty busy, too, showing off the buttons they've collected so far and swapping duplicate each other. And no wonder, because in the first place, these new pep comic buttons are doggone slick-looking, full comic strip colors on a clear white background. Why, the pictures of your funny sheet favorites really stand out. And each one of those pictures is really true to life, straight from the funny papers. There's uh, Maggie and Jigs and, and Popeye and Superman, of course. And you'll want to collect all 18 of these new buttons. You can, too. Sure, easy as can be. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. You just ask Mom to get you some of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet, and look for your prize inside the package. There's a comic button, a prize for you, in every package of P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek and Omaha. Now, the adventures of Superman. At 10 o'clock at night, very much excited, Editor Perry White phoned Clark Kent, telling him to pick up Lois Lane and come to his suburban home at once. He urged Kent to be extremely careful, said it was a matter of life or death, and then hung up. Mystified, Kent drove to Lois's apartment house, where Morrissey, the doorman, said Lois was waiting for him. But the girl reporter failed to answer the switchboard phone, and Kent and Morrissey went up to her apartment. They found the door unlocked and the apartment looking as though a cyclone had struck it. The rug was shoved into a corner. Tables and lamps were overturned. And Lois was missing. Listen. Someone got in here, overpowered Miss Lane, and took her away, Morrissey. Oh, Mother of Mercy, who'd want to be doing that? I don't know. Did anyone else go to her apartment this evening? Uh, uh, no, sir. I was on the door all evening. You know, we don't let strangers in unless we announce them to the tenant first. And whoever it was must have come up the fire escape at the rear of the building. Miss Lane was carried out that way, too. Oh, oh blessed saints. Look, you say she called you on the house phone a little while ago? Well, not more than 15 or 20 minutes ago, Mr. Kent. Well, didn't any of the other tenants on this floor complain about the noise in this apartment? No, sir. Nobody complained. Not a soul. That's strange. I don't understand it. Miss Lane is such a fine young lady. Who'd want to be harming her now? I don't know, Morrissey. Maybe Mr. White does. Look, I'll tell you what you do, uh, Morrissey. You question the tenants on both sides of this apartment and across the hall. Find out if they heard anything. I'll phone Mr. White. Uh, had we, hadn't we better be calling the police? No, not yet. Mr. White may be able to give me a lead. Now, please. No, I want Brentwood 6242. Brentwood 6242. Yes, and hurry it, please. It's very urgent. Get going, Morrissey. Oh, okay, okay. 
Is that you, Chief? Yeah. Who's this? It's Clark Kent. Listen, Chief, I want to have... idea waking me up at this hour of the night? Waking you up? I thought you were waiting. Well, never mind. Look, Chief, uh, something's happened. What do you mean? I'm afraid something's happened to Lois. To Lois? Yes. What? What happened? Tell me. Well, I stopped at her apartment to pick her up as you told me to. I told and... you to. Well, of course. Don't you remember? I told you to pick her up? On the telephone. Not more than half an hour ago. I was asleep half an hour ago. All right, all right. Call it 40 minutes. I was asleep at 9 o'clock. It's almost 10.30 now. What? What's this about Lois? Uh, what happened to her? Wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me you didn't phone me this evening and tell me to pick Lois up and get her out to your house as soon as possible? Of course I didn't. I didn't call anyone. I was in bed at 9 o'clock. Well, then someone impersonated you. Impersonated me? Apparently. Some of the women hated your voice perfect. They phoned me, told me to pick up Lois and get out to your house as quickly as possible. I came to Lois's apartment, found it all ripped up as if a terrific battle had taken place, and Lois missing. What? Yes. Maybe you better get over here right away, Chief. Where are you? At Lois's apartment. Or what's left of it. Did you call Inspector Henderson? No, not yet. I, I thought maybe... Never mind what you thought. Call him at once. I'll be there in half an hour. Okay. Gosh, I, I can't understand this. Mr. Kent. Oh, yes, Mark. Did you find out anything? No, sir. I spoke to Mr. and Mrs. Seaman on this side and to Dr. Lewis across the hall. Yes. They were home all evening, and they said they didn't hear no sound of fighting. They heard nothing? No, sir. But the walls and the floors in this building are very thick, you know. Well, just the same. Someone should have heard something. Did you, did you call the police yet? I'm calling Inspector Henderson now. Something very strange about all this, Morrissey. Why should anyone impersonate Mr. White in order to get me over? Puzzled and anxious, Kent calls Inspector Henderson, who hurries to Lois's apartment. Joined by Perry White, the three men search throughout the night for some clue to Lois's mysterious disappearance. But without success. Early the next morning, Jimmy Olsen and Perry White are in the latter's office at the Daily Planet. Why doesn't Henderson call? What kind of a police department is he running? Make it easy, Chief. I'm sure Henderson's doing all he can. He's not doing enough. He should have found Lois by now. Gosh, I, I hope she's all right. But I'm well, afraid... Don't you start blubbering, Jim. Miss Lane's been gone almost 12 hours. No, I know, and there's not a single clue as to... Well, well, let me... I got it. Hello, Mr. White's office. Is that you, Clark? Lois, is it you? Miss Lane, 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 Please, Chief, give me quiet. I can't hear her. Are you all right, Lois? Of course I'm all right. Is the chief there? Well, yes, but what happened to you? Where are you? I'm at 407 Clover Street. 407 Clover Street? Right, right, right. Yes, now look, Clark, tell the chief I need $10,000 in cash at once. $10,000? You mean you're being held for ransom? Held for ransom? No, 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 I'm not being held for ransom. Okay, oh, golly. It's a terrific story, and I need $10,000. Just a minute, Lois. Uh, come back, Jim. She's all right. She is. Yes. But Mr. White just said... Never mind what I said. What's going on? Wait a minute, please, will you? Clark. Okay, Lois, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We've been terribly worried, though. What happened to you last night? Nothing happened to me. Now, listen for a minute. But your apartment, it was all ripped up. Clark, if you don't stop interrupting me, I will scream. But, but I, I, I... Oh, all right, all right. What were you saying? I said, tell the chief that I'm working on the story of the century. It'll make Jimmy's trip to the moon look like two cents. But I need $10,000 in cash at once. What for? What for, the, for the story, stupid. Tell the chief and hurry. Okay, hold on. Uh, Lois says she's on a terrific story and needs $10,000 in cash. $10,000? What for? For the, for the story, stupid. What? I'm quoting Lois. That's what she told me. Tell her no. Tell no story is worth that much money. I heard that, Clark. Now tell the chief this story will scoop the world. But if he wants to be a piker, I know the Daily Blade will be glad to pay twice 10000 for it. And I heard that. Tell her she can go jump in the... No, no, no. Don't tell her that. No, no. I, I'm not buying any $10,000 pick in the poke. Tell her to stay where she is. I'll be right down with the money, but she'll have to show me before I pay. Did you hear that, Lois? Yes, I heard it. But tell him to hurry, Clark. Every minute counts. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. 407 Clover Street. Right? Right. Now, wait, Chief. I'll go with you. No, no. You stay here, Kent. But I... I this won't... story is all Lois says it is. I want you to be here to get up on the phone. Yes, I know, but... Well, uh, uh, wait a minute. Mr. Kent. I know. Mr. White doesn't call pretty soon. We'll miss the noon edition. Well, Clover Street's a good hour's ride from here, Jim. He's been gone an hour and a half. Gosh, I wonder what this big story of Miss Lane's is. Uh-oh. Maybe we'll find out now. Oh, Kent speaking. Kent, listen to me. 
Got the story, Chief? No, no, I haven't got it yet. I need another $10,000. What? You hurry. Tell Darwin to draw 10000 from the bank at once and you rush it down here. You serious? You bet I'm serious. Get that money and rush it down here. We're at 407 Clover Street. This is Boss's rooming house. You got that? Yes, I've got it, but Chief... I can't work anymore. I'm being watched. What? So long. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, was that Mr. White? Yes. He says he needs another $10,000. Leaping lizards. I can't figure this out, Jim. Who are you calling on the intercom? Darwin, the cashier. Oh. Yes, Mr. White. Oh, this is Clark Kent, Darwin. Mr. White just called. He wants you to draw $10,000 from the bank at once. Another $10,000? That's right. Take care of it right away, will you? But, but this is most unusual, Mr. Kent. Uh, what, what account is this to be charged to? Oh, I don't know. Editorial, I guess. Oh, you guess? You can straighten it out with Mr. White later. But I can't draw a large sum like that, Mr. Kent, without knowing which account is to be charged to. Now listen, Darwin. The chief says this is very important. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Kent, but you must understand my position. Well, I'm answerable to our stockholders and the publishers. I know. I can't I... possibly issue a voucher for $10,000 without knowing which account has to be charged to. Well, now, wait a minute. What will Clark Kent do now? Harry White said every moment is precious. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Mr. Darwin, the Daily Planet's cashier, has refused to give Clark Kent $10,000 to bring to Perry White. In his office, Kent says to Jimmy Olsen... We're in a spot, Jim. Darwin won't draw the money without a direct order from Mr. White. And according to the chief, every moment is precious. Oh, Jeepers, what'll we do? Well, I guess there's only one thing to do. The chief will have to call Darwin. Look, you go into the city room, call information, and get the phone number for Mrs. Walsh's rooming house at 407 Clover Street. Uh-huh. I want to keep my line open in case Mr. White calls back. Mrs. Walsh's rooming house, 407 Clover. All right, hurry it up, will you, Jim? As fast as I can. Go ahead. I better warn Darwin to stand by. Now, see here, Hello. Mr. Kent. There's no use arguing. Now, wait a minute. I'm giving you my decision, and that's fine. Keep your shirt on, Darwin. I just wanted to Your tell you that... Your reporters are all the same. You don't seem to realize that a newspaper is a business organization. I realize it. I only... I'm going to watch for $10,000. Now, look. $10,000, mind you. And not wait a minute. Which wait. Will you listen a minute? I'm going to have Mr. White phone you right away. This happens to be very important, so please don't leave until he phones. Oh, I certainly won't. I'm glad you see it my way, Mr. Kent. Well... It's these little details which are so important... Yeah, sure, sure, sure. See you in a few minutes, Darwin. Oh, all right, Mr. Kent. Wow. He writes himself a voucher every time he buys a stick of gum. Oh, there you are, Jim. Gosh. This gets worse and worse by the minute, Mr. Kent. What does? Did you get the phone number? Well, that's just the trouble. There is no phone number. There is no... What are you talking about? Information says there's no phone from Mrs. Walsh's rooming house at 407 Clover Street. No phone? Great Scott! His jaw dropping, Clark Kent stares at Jimmy Olsen in amazement. Only a few minutes ago, Perry White said he was calling from that address, and that he and Lois Lane were in danger. What does this mean? What is the story in which White and Lois are involved? And what is the meaning of the other strange things which are baffling Kent? Well, fellows and girls, there are more and even stranger things to come. So don't miss a single episode of our fascinating new story. Tune in tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday... Same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, do something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha-ha! <laughs> 
from the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Calabunga! To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, there's a box just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to us with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, what Lois Lane calls the story of the century has Clark Kent very much baffled. We'll learn what develops in just a moment. But right now, let's hear from our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, gang, one of the swell things about this new second series of comic buttons Kellogg's Pep is putting out is you've got a new set of friends to watch for when Mom opens a new package of Pep. They're all characters you've been following in the funny papers for ages. So when you get a button with a picture of Lord Plushbottom on it, well, you certainly don't need it need to be introduced. Same way with Olive Oil or, or Uncle Willie or Superman or any of the 18 different buttons in this new second series. And is it exciting fun to swap duplicates with your friends and to wear these smart-looking buttons on your jacket or your dress or cap? They're so colorful and bright, they're really on the beam. The background is enameled clear white with the pictures done up in brilliant red and blue and, and yellow and black, so they really show up. And you know, the best part is, you don't have to send in a single penny to get these keen-looking buttons. Not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. They come only as prizes in packages of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. So don't forget to ask Mom to get you a good supply of Pep and look for your prize inside the package. That's P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. In response to an urgent telephone call from editor Perry White, a call which White later denied making, Clark Kent hurried to Lois Lane's apartment, only to find it a shambles. Furniture overturned, rugs in a heap, drawers pulled out, and the girl reporter mysteriously missing. Worried and puzzled, Kent contacted Police Inspector Henderson, and then, as Superman, spent a fruitless night searching for Lois. The following morning, at the office of the Daily Planet, White Kent and Jimmy Olsen were together when a telephone call came in from Lois. She was on the trail of a terrific story, she said, and needed $10,000 immediately. Could Perry White bring it to 407 Clover Street? Leaving Kent at the office, White set out with $10,000 in cash. Later, less than an hour later, he called in telling Kent to bring $10,000 more to the same address. Kent has asked Jimmy to call information and get the number of the telephone at 407 Clover Street. And as we continue now, Jimmy has just returned with some startling news. Listen. This is getting worse and worse by the minute, Mr. Kent. Well, never mind that, Jim. What's the phone number? Oh, that's just the trouble. There is no phone number. What are you talking about? Information says there's no phone for Mrs. Walsh at 407 Clover Street. Oh, that's ridiculous. Are you sure you got the address right? Oh, I'm positive. I marked it down on this slip of paper. Look, 407 Clover Street. Well, she said there's no phone at all at 407 Clover Street. Something's going on here, Jim. Something I don't like. I don't like it either. 
What do you think we ought to do? Well, since Darwin won't give me that money until the chief tells him how to draw it, and since we can't get in touch with 407 Clover Street by phone, I'm going down there. I'll go with you. No, no, no. You stay right here and stand by in case either Lois or the chief calls in that story. You sit right here in my office and tell Miss Backrack if either of them do call to put it through to you. Okay, but be careful, Mr. Kent. Don't worry. Hurrying through the Daily Planet City Room, alive with the clatter of typewriters and teletype machines, Kent steps into the storeroom, closes the door behind him, and in a few brief seconds has made the transformation from the mild-mannered, bespectacled reporter to the red-caped, blue-costumed figure of Superman. Raising the window, he leaps out, whoops high above the building. <laughs> a minute or so later, once more in the guise of Clark Kent, is ringing the bell of an old, weather-beaten single house at 407 Clover Street. Must be the place. There's a sign in the window, and it looks like a typical rooming house. Oh, someone's coming. Good morning. Lovely morning, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm... It's spring, and all the world is new with life. And all the things that are new with wondrous living. Ah, uh, yes, what is so sweet as a day in spring? Then uh, I ever... beg your pardon. My name is Clark Kent. A very lovely name, a very musical name. Oh, yes, Clark Kent, Clark. Ah, uh, uh, you, Mrs. Walt. Oh, you've heard of me. <laughs> but of course, I can see by your eyes that you're a lover of the drama. Okay. Did you see me in Macbeth or in the Taming of the Shrew? Uh, Mrs. Walsh, I'm from the Daily Planet. Mr. Perry White told yes, me... Yes, yes, do come in. Thank you. Uh, step right into the living room, Mr. Kent. Very well, thank you. Uh, Mr. White and Miss Lake stepped out for a few moments. They should be back very shortly. Uh, just make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Uh, perhaps you'd like to look over this book of my press clippings. Uh, well, Ah, uh, oh, I... those were the grand and glorious days when the name of the North Walsh glittered in a thousand lights. Oh. Uh, that, Mr. Kent, was the cold era of the theatre. Oh, look, a picture of me playing the role of Ophelia in Shakespeare's immortal Hamlet. Where? It was at the Civic Opera House in Paducah, and I was sensational, simply sensational. Uh, very interesting, very interesting. Uh, how long did Mr. White and Miss Lane say they'd be? And here, now look here. Uh, oh, oh uh, they'll be back shortly. Well, you better be or I'm going to start raising the roof. Cut. Mr. Kent, in the words of the immortal bard, the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as a gentle rain. What's that? Heavens alive, Mr. Kent. Don't jump so. It's just the telephone. But, but you're not supposed to have a telephone. How would I operate a theatrical rooming house without a telephone? Well, I... I keep it in that little closet. But when I... Excuse me while I answer it. I don't get it at all. Hello? Mrs. Walt? Yes. This is Perry White. Is Mr. Kent there? Uh, why, yes, Mr. White. Uh, put him on, would you please? Uh, certainly. It's for you, Mr. Kent. Mr. White. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, hello, Chief. Have you got the money, Kent? Why, uh, no, you see, I... Great sticks, little fishes. I told you I wanted $10,000. I know, I know, Chief, but Darwin wouldn't give it to me. Why not? Oh, he said he didn't know which count to draw it on. And... Oh, all the stupid that'll beat it. Every nincompoops I ever met, he takes the cake. Yes, I know. Oh, listen I... to me, Kent. I'll call Darwin immediately. Good. You get back to the office and pick up the money. What? You'll have it ready by the time you get there. Well, what'll I do with it? What do you think? Bring it back to Mrs. Walsh's house. Chief, what's this all about? I can't tell you now, but it's the biggest story of the century. Well, can't you even give me no, a... No, I've got to go. Get back to the office, Kent. Hurry. Wait, wait a minute. Hello. Hello. Oh, he hung up. My, Mr. White sounded excited, didn't he? Yeah, yes, he did. I'll have to leave now. Oh, what? I'm terribly sorry. No, don't you bother about the door. I'll find my way out. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Kent. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Story of the century, but he can't tell me about it. Oh, well, no sense beating my brains up. Back into that alley to switch to Superman. No sense wasting time getting to the office. Oh, this looks clear. Off for of these clothes. <clears throat> Story of a century, eh? What could it be? I certainly don't know. 
Well, all set. Up, up, and away! Hi, Clark. Hi, Joe. Hey, wait, I wanted to ask you. Uh, not now, Joe. Jimmy's waiting for me in my office. Hi, Jim. Well, Mr. White called Mr. Darwin and told him to go down to the bank and get the $10,000. I know that. Well, did you see Mr. White or Miss Lane? No, I saw Mrs. Walsh and listened to her spout Shakespeare for ten minutes. Well, what is she, an actress? She was an actress about a hundred years ago. Oh, boy, that must have been something. Oh. Well, how come all this stuff is going on at her place? Gosh, you've got me, Jim. I can't make head or tail out of it. White says it's the story of the century. Lois says it's the story of the century. And here I am, I got a merry-go-round. Boy, it sure is a mystery. Yeah. I've never seen the mystery yet that can't be solved. I'll take it, Jim. Hello, Clark Kent speaking. Clark, this is Lois. Lois? Is it all Lois? Lois Lane? Yes. Lois, where are you? I can't tell you, but did that money go down to 407 Clover Street? Now, look, Lois, I'm getting sick and Clark, tired I of being... Clark, I much time, and they're watching me like hawks. Who's watching you? Just answer my question. Did the money go down to Clover Street, the second no, 10000 Not yet. Well, for heaven's sake, Clark, please see that it does. Lois, can't you tell I me what this... I can't tell you anything. Uh-oh, I've got to go now. No, wait a minute. Come, goodbye. Hello, Lois. Lois! What happened? Oh, she hung up. What did she say? Did she say what it was all about? Not a word. She did say someone was watching her like a hawk. Oh, who's that now? Come in. What? Greetings, gentlemen. Leaps. Lois. Great Scott, Lois Lane. Stunned, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen stare in open-mouthed amazement as Lois Lane, smiling and seemingly oblivious to all the mystery surrounding her, enters Kent's office. What is the answer? No. Back to Superman. Less than 60 seconds after Clark Kent in his office with Jimmy Olsen received a urgent telephone call from Lois Lane, the door to the office opened and in stepped the girl reporter big as life. As we continue now, she has closed the door behind her and faces Kent and Jimmy who are staring at her in open-mouthed amazement. What on earth is the matter with you two? Do I look like a ghost? Sleeps a ghost. Stop looking at me like that. Clark, snap out of it. Lois, is it really you? Who do you think it is? What is the matter with you? I, I just talked to you on the telephone. I just hung up. You just talked to me on the telephone? Yes, just a minute ago. You you asked me about the second $10,000. What I, second $10,000? lizards. Oh, no, no, wait. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's start from the beginning. Well, we certainly better start from someplace because I'm getting a little confused. You're getting confused. You're getting confused. Well, you don't have to leave that. All right, all right, wait now, wait a minute. What about your apartment? Who smashed it up? Who overturned the furniture? Who pulled out the drawers? I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Where were you last night? I was with my sister, Diana. She's sick. You were not? I was, too. I called your sister. There was no answer. I'm sorry, Clark, but I spent the entire night with Diana and neither one of us buzzed. I tell you what... Okay, okay, let that go. Now about the $10,000, the second $10,000. Didn't I just talk to you on the phone and didn't you tell me to get the money down to 407 Clover Street, Mrs. Walsh's rooming house immediately? Clark... Are you crazy? I don't know, Lois. Am I? Well, it certainly looks like someone is crazy. What can possibly be behind this strange and puzzling mystery? Gang, it gets stranger and more puzzling as it goes along. So don't miss a single solitary word of it. In another day or two, you'll be on America Round, just as Clark Kent is. So keep listening. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. 
Cubs and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, the mystery surrounding the story of the century has Clark Kent completely baffled. We'll join him in a moment as he tries to untangle the threads. But right now, let's join another friend, Dan McCullough. You know, uh, when you wake up in the morning and see the good golden sunshine streaming through your window, well, you've got a head start on a happy day right then and there. And when you come to the breakfast table and see your heaping bowl full of sunny golden toasted Kellogg's Pep, why, you're pretty sure to feel even more cheerful because Pep tastes the doggone good. It's crisp and tender and full of that white awake flavor, not to mention the good whole grain nutrition in every serving, plus more than twice as much vitamin B1 as in sun-ripened whole wheat, plus your whole daily minimum need of sunshine vitamin D, plus the exciting prizes in every package of Kellogg's Pep. Yes, sir, comic buttons, a brand new second series of true-to-life pictures of your favorite funny paper characters. Boy, what a load of fun it is to collect the whole second series and trade duplicates with your pals. And how easy these comic buttons are to get. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to make sure Mom gets you some of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep, and there's your prize inside the package. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep. The Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. At the moment, Clark Kent feels as if he were on a merry-go-round as he attempts to solve the most baffling mystery of his entire career. The latest incredible development was the sudden appearance of Lois Lane in Kent's office at the Daily Planet hardly a second after she had finished speaking to him on the telephone, presumably from the other end of Metropolis. As we continue now, determined to get an answer to the amazing enigma... Kent, after warning Jimmy Olsen not to say a word, begins questioning Lois. Now, let's take one thing at a time, Lois. First, who smashed up your apartment last night? Who what? Who overturned the furniture, smashed the lamps, and pulled out all the drawers? I don't know what you're talking about, what? Clark. Please. All right, all right, all right. Where were you last night? With my sister, Diane. You were not? I was. I called your sister's apartment. Nobody answered. I'm sorry, but I spent the entire night with Diana. She's sick and neither one of us buds. Please. Okay, okay, let that go. Now, about the $10,000, the second $10,000. What? Didn't I just talk to you on the phone? And didn't you tell me to get the money down to 407 Clover Street, Mrs. Walsh's rooming house, immediately? Clark, are you crazy? Answer my question. Who's Mrs. Walsh? Gleeps. Oh, stop saying Gleeps, Jim. But, but Gleeps, she just said... I know what she said. Keep quiet, please. I'm going to get to the bottom of this if it's the last thing I do. Now, look, Lois. Let's go back a step. To the first $10,000. What I, first $10,000? That you phoned for earlier this morning, a couple of hours ago. I phoned for $10,000? Well, you know you did. You said you were working on a terrific story and you needed $10,000 in cash immediately. Why, of all the... Clark, have you gone crazy? What's come over you? I mean, you... You didn't call? 
Not even the first time? He didn't call the first time or the second time or any other time and ask for $10,000. Matter of fact, I haven't used a telephone since I left the office yesterday. I've been taking care of Diana. Creeps. Oh, will you please tell me what this is all about, Clark? Well, I'm beginning to get a vague idea, but it doesn't add up. Apparently, someone impersonated you, too. What do you mean, me, too? Well, someone impersonated the chief last night. What? Yes, last night about 10 o'clock, I got a phone call. I was sure it was late. Same voice, inflections, everything. He told me to pick you up at your apartment, come to his house at once. He said something big was going on and dangerous, and he warned me to be very careful. Yes? Well, I got my car and drove to your place. When you didn't answer the switchboard phone, the doorman and I went up to your apartment. The door was unlocked, and the place looked as if a cyclone had struck it. The rug was ripped up, the furniture overturned, all the drawers pulled out. Good heavens, I thought you were joking about the apartment. Listen, that apartment's no joke, it's a mess. What was stolen? Oh, nothing. As far as I could see, all your clothes were there, your jewelry hadn't been touched, nothing oh. seemed to be missing. I don't understand no, it. Well, neither do we. I can't explain why they made a wreck of your apartment, Lois, but I think I know why someone impersonated your voice. Why? To swindle a daily plan out of $10,000. I mean, $20,000. They... Great Scott. What is it, Clark? The chief. He took $10,000 in cash to that rooming house this morning when he thought it was you who phoned for it. The crooks must have been waiting for him. Oh, we've been listening. Either they forced him to call me a little while ago and demand another 10000 or whoever impersonated him last night called. Either way, he's in trouble. I've got to get down there at once. I'll call you as soon as I can. Wait a minute, I'm going with you. I'm going. I can get there faster alone. Don't be ridiculous. A taxi can carry two passengers as quickly as one. They can carry three, too. Well, You're not I... telling me anything, Clark. I'm going with you, and that is fast. Oh, well, all right, all right. Come along. No, no, not you, Jim. But I... Someone has to stay here in case we have to call in. Oh, gee whiz. Come on, Lois. Hey, wait, your phone's ringing. Take a message. Okay. Hello? James Olson speaking. This is Perry White, Jim. Is Kent there? Oh, Mr. Kent, come back. It's Mr. White. Who? Mr. White, the chief. Thanks, Jim. Close the door, Lois. Uh, wake up, Olson. I want Kent. Is he here? He's right here, Chief. I mean, Mr. White. Uh, listen, are you are you okay? Oh, of course I'm okay. Stop wasting time and put Kent on. Give me the phone, Jim. Give me. Clark, wait a minute. It, it, it might not be the Chief. It, it might be. Just leave it to me, Lois. Leave it to me. Uh, hello, Chief. Kent, what in tarnation told you? I was delayed. The, the, the cashier wouldn't issue a draft without an order from you. I called that visiting idiot Darwin a half hour ago and told him to draw the money from the bank and give it to you. You mean to say he hasn't got a chance? Well, it, it, it takes quite a while to get to the bank and back. How long does it take? Confounded, I've got hold of the story of the century. Of the century, do you hear me? If that annotated Darwin makes me lose it. Well, here he is now. Uh, come in and close the door, Darwin. Uh, yes, Mr. Gary. How's he get the money? Uh, just a moment. Uh, did, did you get the money, Darwin? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, he's got it. Good. Grab a cab and rush it down here at once. At once, do you hear? Right. Uh, are you still at... 407 Clover Street? Yes, Mrs. Walsh's rooming house. Is Lois with you? Never mind about Lois. You must get that money here and don't lose a second. Goodbye. Uh, was it was it Perry Wycliffe? I don't know. Sounded like him. But so did the man who impersonated him last night. We'd better call Inspector Henderson. No, 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 no. Not yet, not yet. I'll go down there first. You stay here, Lois. I will I... not, and that's fine. All right, all right, then come along. But, but hurry, will you? Uh, just a moment, Mr. Kent. You're forgetting the money. I changed my mind, Darwin. I don't want it. Uh, but I just went to the bank, and Mr. White Put said... it back in the bank. Come on, Lois. Step on it. Four oh seven Clover Street. That'll be a dollar sixty. Man. All right, here you are, driver. Keep the change. Come on, Lois. Much obliged, Mac. Okay. Is this the place, Clark? Yes, this is the place. I... Wait a minute. What's the matter? Something's wrong. Wrong? Yes. Something is very wrong. I, I can't figure this out. Startled, Clark Kent stares at the shingled house. 
His X-ray vision perceiving something which Lois Lane cannot see. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. As Clark Kent and Lois Lane left the taxi in front of 407 Clover Street, Kent, making use of Superman's X-ray vision, suddenly stopped and stared at the shingled house. Now, a puzzled frown clouding his face, he mounted the few steps to the door, followed by Lois. Clark, what is it? What's the matter? This... this house. What about the house? Well, when I was here earlier this morning, there were dingy curtains in the windows and a, and a hand-lettered sign, Rooms for Rent. Yes? Well, now there are Venetian blinds on the windows and... And the rooms for rent sign is gone. Oh, so what? They might have just put the blinds up. And empty rooms don't stay empty long these days. Oh, but there's this brass plate on the door. It says, John Simmons, teacher of piano. It wasn't here before. Well, maybe he just moved in. Oh, there's something else. Wait a minute, I'll ring the bell. Yeah, look, do you think we're being very smart? I mean, what if the crooks are waiting there for us? Yeah, someone. How do you do? Oh, how do you do? Is, uh, is Mrs. Walsh in... I beg your pardon. Mrs. Walsh, the, the the landlady of this rooming house. I'm afraid you've made a mistake, young man. This is a private residence. Well, private residence? And a piano studio. I'm John Simmons. But I... Just a moment, Lois. Isn't this 407 Clover Street? Yes. And... And this isn't a theatrical rooming house? My dear young man, I've just told you it isn't. But... But I was here less than two hours ago. You couldn't have been here, I tell you, I was... Uh, look, do you mind if we come in for a moment, Mr. Simmons? There's something very strange about this. I... Not at all. Right in. Thank you. My studio is to the right. Just a moment, Mr. Simmons. This this reception room, what, what happened to the wallpaper? What wallpaper? When I was here earlier today, there was paper on the wall. Faded paper with big blue flowers on it. Oh, Clark. My dear young man. There was, I tell you, when there were autographed pictures of old-time theatrical stars on the walls, and the furniture was broken down wicker stuff. This modern furniture wasn't here at all. I assure you, young man, you're mistaken. I tell you, I'm not. I've occupied this house for 18 years. Look, there was I... never paper or theatrical photographs on my wall. I saw them. There I... was never any broken-down wicker furniture in my reception room. And this has never been a rooming house. But there was... Is a... that quite clear? I... Yeah, yeah, yes. It, it, it's clear, but I... I don't understand it. Bewildered, Clark Kent was the kindly middle-aged music teacher... And then at the neat, orderly reception room. A room in which he is sure less than two hours ago stood a woman who called herself Mrs. Walsh and who spouted quotations from Shakespeare. A room with dingy wallpaper and broken-down furniture and faded theatrical photographs. What can this mean? What can all of this amazing riddle of impersonators and mysteriously wrecked apartments and false leads mean? Well, fellas and girls, see if you can guess the answer to the mystery which is even baffling Superman. And be sure to listen tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, to The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow The Adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up
in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, as the mystery surrounding recent events at the Daily Planet deepens, Clark Kent is at 407 Clover Street trying to find some answer to the problem. We'll join him there in a moment. But right now, let's see why Dan McCullough's young pal Rusty is mumbling to himself. Maggie, Jigs, Andy Gump, Hans, Fritz, Popeye. Hey, Rusty, what are you doing? Me, I'm memorizing. Memorizing? Sure, I'm trying to learn the whole list of funny paper characters. You know when that new second series of comic buttons Kellogg's Pep is putting out? Well, sure, but how come? Well, I figured if I learned all 18 in the series, I'd know which buttons to look for, and I'd know which ones I'm missing in my collection. Hey, that's a swell idea. How many have you learned? Uh, I'm not doing so well yet. I just started. <laughs> well, have you tried learning them in groups? How do you mean? Well, you know, if you learn, say, five at a time, uh, lots of folks say it's easier that way. Oh, I see. Learn a group like uh, Maggie, Jigs, Andy Gump, Hans and Fritz before I try to learn the rest. Sure. Then uh, your next group would be Olive Oil and, and Popeye, the Little King, Lord Plushbottom, and Uncle Willie. Then Emmy, Rip Winkle, Pop Jenks, Superman like that? Sure. Bet you find it easier. And I'll bet you're not the only one in the gang who's that hepped up about this brand new second series of Pep Comic Buttons. They're so bright colored and clear cut, and it's so much fun to collect and trade duplicates with your pals. All the up-and-coming fellows and girls in our block are mighty busy with their collections. But remember, there's only one way you can get these exciting comic buttons. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send in a single penny, not even a box stop. You just make sure Mom keeps stocked up with plenty of Kellogg's Pep, and you'll find your prize in every package. Ask Mom for P-E-P Pep. The Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Baffled as he has never been before, Clark Kent is trying to discover who impersonated Edison Perry White on the telephone, wrecked Lois Lane's apartment, impersonated a girl reporter, and finally was responsible for the disappearance of Perry White, who was last seen leaving the Daily Planet with $10,000 in cash, presumably en route to a theatrical rooming house at 407 Clover Street. Certain that White is in the hands of clever swindlers, Kent, accompanied by Lois, hurried to that address. But to his amazement, 407 Clover Street turned out to be not the theatrical rooming house he had visited earlier that morning, but the residence and studio of a Mr. John Simmons, a piano teacher. Puzzled, Kent studies the paneled, tastefully furnished reception room, and finally turns to Lois and Mr. Simmons. I, I can't understand it. What? When I was here less than two hours ago, this room was twice the size it is now. It, it had faded wallpaper and autographed pictures of old-time actors and actresses, and, and and the furniture was falling apart. You're mistaken, young man. And it was man. a theatrical rooming house. I talked to a Mrs. Walsh, the lamp, in this very room. You're mistaken, young man. I tell you, I'm not. I've occupied this house for 18 years. There's never been any paper on the walls or pictures of theatrical people or broken-down furniture. Now, look. Nor I... has there ever been a Mrs. Walsh here. But, Mr. Now, Simmons... Now, just a minute, Clark. Is Mr. Perry White here, Mr. Simmons? Who? Perry White, editor of the Metropolis Daily Planet. I never heard of him. There, you see, Clark, we've obviously come to the wrong place. But I... Now, apologize to Mr. Simmons and we'll be going. Oh, there's really nothing to apologize for. We all make mistakes. I couldn't have made a mistake. Will you stop being a stubborn mule? Look... Really, once he gets an idea in his head, Mr. Simmons, there's just no budging him. So I see. I don't understand it. Stop repeating that, Clark. Now, come on, we've lost enough time. We've got to find the chief. Well... Are you coming? Oh, all right, all right. I, I, I guess I did make a mistake. It's quite all right. I'll show you to the door. Figure this out, Lois. I can. What do you mean? I'll tell you when we get outside. Well, goodbye. So goodbye. long. Thank you very much.
snapped out of his cot. You'll fall down the stairs. Oh, I'm all right. Don't worry about me. Look, what, what, what did you mean when you said you knew what had happened? Well, you got the name of the street wrong. What? I just remembered there's a Dover Street, and it's not far from here. The chief didn't say Dover. He said Clover. 407 Clover. Well, just Clover explain. sounds like Dover. You could easily mistake them. Or the chief could. You know how he is when he's excited. Here comes an empty cab. Taxi! But I tell you, Taxi. Lord... Taxi! Taxi! Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe you're right. If I did mistake the name, that would account for information telling Jimmy there was no telephone for a Mrs. Walsh in Clover Street. Of course it would. Come on, let's get in a taxi. Okay. But where was I this morning? Now, how do I know? But you weren't here. Uh, uh, 407 Dover Street, driver. And hurry, please. Here you are, driver. Keep the change. Thanks, Mike. Come on, Lois. Wait a minute, Carl. Hmm? 407 Bacon Store. Now, there's an apartment above it, but it's certainly not the place I visited this morning. Oh, well. Come on, let's check anyway. Here we are. Here's the entrance. Well, what are you waiting for? Oh, I, uh... I guess I'm a little nervous. You don't have to be. You're with me. That's a great help. What? Okay. Look, the name on the bell is Anthar. George Anthar. Well, ring it. That's what I'm doing. Oh, there's the buzzer. Come on, let's go. Gosh, those stairs aren't very well lighted. No, I'll hold your arm. All right, come on, up we go. We shouldn't have come here alone, Clark. Relax, will you? It's easy to say relax, but I don't like this one bit. Don't worry. Oh, why did I ever let myself be talked into this? <gasps> what was that? Oh. The door opened on the first landing. I don't see anybody. Yes, look. There's a man standing at the door. Come in, my friend. Let me do the talking, boss. Uh, my, my name is Clark Kent. Are you expecting me? Your friends are expecting you, Mr. Kent. My friend? Oh, oh, oh. Yes, I see. Uh, this is Miss Lane. Do step in, Miss Lane. Why, uh, thank you. If you will come with me, I will summon your friend. We should have brought the police clock. Relax. Now, Just step in through these curtains, please. We should. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Don't in there. There uh, isn't much light in here. Our departed friends do not like the light. Departed? Hey, wait a minute. Is that a crystal ball on the table? Yes. You're I, a fortune teller. I beg your pardon. I object to that vulgar term in reference to my ancient and honored profession. I am a spiritualist, if you please. A medium through whom you may converse with the spirits of your dear departed. Oh, Clark, a spiritualist. I thought you said my friends were expecting me. They are, young man. Those friends who have passed beyond their earthly confines. May I ask why else you came to me? Uh, a slight mistake on the young lady's part. She, she was sure Clover Street meant Dover Street, you see. I and... don't understand. Well, frankly, neither do I. I'm sorry to have taken your time, Mr. Uh, Anthar. Yes, uh, goodbye, Mr. Anthar. The door is directly ahead. Yes, I see it. Watch the steps going down, Lois. Oh, all right. Well, what's so funny? Oh, just 
a reaction, I guess. A spiritualist of all things. Say, maybe he could have told us what happened to the chief at that. Oh, don't joke about this, Lois. You're right, I shouldn't. Something terrible may have happened, Mr. Weiss. Clark, wait a minute. What is it? Well, you're... You know, I just remembered. What? There's a Stover Street in Metropolis. Oh, so what? Well, don't you see? The chief might have said Stover, and you thought he said Clover. A few minutes ago, you were sure he said Stover. Well, maybe it was Stover. Now, let's try 407 Stover. Oh, wait a minute, Lois. We can't keep running around in circles. Now, that's a perfectly natural... I'm starting to think this is all a bad dream. Believe me, it isn't a dream. But how could I have gone to a rooming house which apparently doesn't exist? I don't know, unless you... Unless I what? Nothing. Oh, I know, I know. You think I imagined all this. No, I didn't say that. But you think it. Well, I didn't. Here, wait a minute. Come on in this drugstore. What are you going to do now? I want to make a phone call. Let's see if I have a nickel. I think I have a nickel. No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh. Are you going to call Inspector Henderson again? No, I'm going to call Jim at the office. But what for? Well, it's just possible that when I didn't arrive where I was supposed to with the money, the chief or his impersonator called the planet again. Oh, just see if it... Oh, hello. Uh, Jim Olson, please. This is Clark Kent. Now, that's our only hope, Lois. If there was any... Oh, hello. Uh, Miss Backrack? Uh, Clark Kent, is, is Jim Olson there? He what? What? Wait a minute. Say that again. What? What Wait is it? Close, please. Yes, go on, Miss Backrack. When was this? Where? I see. Yes, yes, I... I'll come right over. Goodbye. Clark, what is it? Clark, answer me. Clark. Strangely silent, Clark Kent stares into space as Lois tugs at his sleeve. What has happened now? Back to the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent has just phoned the Daily Planet from a drugstore. And now, outside the booth, he faces Lois Lane. Clark, what is it? What's happened? Jim. What about Jim? He received a phone call about half an hour ago. Yes? He thought it was from me. From you? Yes, Miss Backrack answered the call first. She thought it was me, too. The man, whoever he was, said he was me, and he spoke exactly like me. Good heavens. He told Jim to get the $10,000 from Darwin, the cashier, and bring it to a certain address. But what address? I don't know. Miss Backrack didn't know. Jim didn't say. He just got the money and rushed out. Now, now, Jim's gone, too. Jimmy Olsen gone, too. Apparently the victim of the same clever gang that trapped Perry White. And Superman helpless to aid them as he seeks desperately for a way through the tangled, baffling maze of mystery. What will happen next? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And follow the adventures of Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!